Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. God is good, isn't he? Excuse me. I am so blessed to be here with you on this Sunday, that you're in this new venue. And you know what I like about this new venue? As an evangelist, you've got room to grow. And God's going to grow you, isn't he? Sorry? Amen. I think 2018 for you is going to be a year of growth. Growth spiritually and growth numerically. Because God wants to establish his kingdom further in our nation. I believe that we are living in exciting times. I think I might have even told you last time. But you know that Christianity is the fastest growing faith in this world at this moment in time. That's exciting. You know, what we hear on our news might tell us something different because we're lagging behind a little here in Europe. But I want to tell you that God doesn't love other continents of this world more than he loves us in the European continent. And if he's doing things in other continents, he's going to do them here. Amen? You don't seem too excited. Amen? <laughs> you know, you have to interact with me. You know, I know you're not a, a black church. But, you know, I'm used to working in churches that interact. So please forgive me. Just be a bit more that way for me, won't you? I'm with my friend Martin. Uh, Martin and I have known each other. Oh, I don't know how many years we've known each other. Many years. But Martin's traveled with me in various places around the world. And, uh, you know, it's a blessing to have people that you've been friends with a long time that have stood with you through the years and have encouraged you. And uh, hopefully I've encouraged him as well. But um, it's good, isn't it? You know, I was uh, a little bit nervous about speaking this morning. <coughs> you might not think that, but uh, sometimes I get that way. And till John shared. And then when John shared, I thought, yes, I know that what God said to me is what he wants to say to you. Because John basically said it. I believe that God wants us to get to know him more. You know, I don't know about you, but over the last few weeks, I've been meditating on the Christmas story. I'm sure there's many of us that have done that, but I've been meditating on it uh, in Matthew's account of the story, and especially those, that passage where Matthew quotes Isaiah, and he says, and he shall be called Emmanuel. And I wish I was as confident as Joel, and, and I could sing that, you know, that uh, carol we sing, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, I really got to thinking about what that means to have God with us and how much I live in the reality of that. You know, I believe if we would get hold of this passage that the God who created the heavens and the earth and all that is in them chose to come into this world as a baby. But he came with a purpose. And his purpose wasn't that we might have a nice nativity, that we might sing lovely carols 
and all of that. I'm not against those things because I think we honor God in so many ways in those things. But he came with a purpose that we might have a relationship with the living God. The God that created the heavens and the earth and all that's beyond them. That God wants to know us. And he wants us to know him. For me, that is awesome. I don't know about you, but I just sort of think, oh, wow, God wants to know me. And he wants me to know him. And he wants us to have an eternity with him. You know, I have a feeling if we would grasp this single truth and live in the good of it, it will change everything for us. You know, uh, over the last few months, I've had a, a few things that have happened to me that have uh, been unusual for me. Um, I may be, I shared them with you before, but, uh, well, one of them I haven't. But I was in Switzerland, and we were in this restaurant, and we were eating Swiss fondue, and the waitress kept on staring at me while we were in the restaurant. And I thought, this is a bit weird. Why does she keep on staring at me? And I asked my Swiss friend, I said, why does this lady keep on staring at me? He said, I think she fancies you. <laughs> I said, get real. <laughs> I'm not sure that's the answer. So the next time she came to the table, I said, excuse me, madam, why do you keep on staring at me? She said, you have beautiful eyes. And I thought, oh, that's nice. And then that Shakespeare verse came to mind, you know, the eyes are the windows of the soul. And I just said to her, well, that's because I have a beautiful soul. And she said, really? So I said, yes. I said, because I met Jesus some years ago, and he came to live in me. And what you see in my eyes is something of his glory shining out from me. And I thought, well, that was nice. And we ended up praying with her in this restaurant. She was unwell, and I shared that God loved her and wanted to heal her. And there in the restaurant, it was a tiny little restaurant, crammed full of people. There was nowhere to really pray. And she, I just took her hands at the side of the table. And God hid her. Not hard, but she was gone. You know, she was, you know, but there was nowhere for her to fall down. So I'm sitting at the table desperately trying to hold her up. Because I didn't want to get her into trouble with the management if she fell over in the restaurant. And... Uh, Eventually, she comes back round and she says, what did you do to me? I said, I didn't do anything, but God's touched you with his power and wants to heal you. She said, wait here. And she disappeared. And she came back with her daughter. Now, it turned out she owned the restaurant, so it wasn't a problem. But she said, do what you did to me to her. I said, well, I didn't do anything, but Jesus did. So, and I just took the daughter's hand. She was probably 29 maybe 30, and as soon as I took her hand, God said to me, she wants to have a baby, but she can't. And I looked at her and I said, God's told me he's going to give you the desires of your heart. And she burst into tears and we prayed and she went. And we're just like, she's wobbling like this, backwards and forwards. And, you know, just there in that restaurant, we started to hold a healing meeting. <laughs> you know? All because she saw something in my eyes. And then we were in Bulgaria just a couple of weeks ago, and we were filming a promotional video. I'm planning a big event in Bulgaria in 2019. There's an amphitheater, an old Roman amphitheater there that seats three and a half thousand people. 
and uh, the city that it's in is the capital of culture. Capital of culture, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know quite how they work that one out, but it's the European capital of culture in 2019. And I felt God said to me, we should take this amphitheater and bring teams from all around Europe and celebrate Bulgaria's Christian heritage and its Christian culture. And we were in the amphitheater and I was doing a promotional and sharing about my vision so that we can produce a promotional video. And this guy came over and said, what's this event you're talking about? So I told him that we were planning this Christian event to celebrate their Christian culture. And as he's talking to me, he looks at me and says, excuse me, he says, has anyone ever told you you've got beautiful eyes? <laughs> I said, funny you should say that. Because a lady did, and I told him the story about Switzerland. And he's, he was just amazed. And then my friends and I just started to share Jesus with him and started to share our faith with him. He said, you know, he said, you guys really believe what you say, don't you? I said, of course we do. I said, we, had an, uh, we have a relationship with God. I said, Christianity is about having a relationship with God. It's not a religion. It's a relationship with the living God. And he said to me, can I be your friend on Facebook? So I said, yes. I said, why? He said, I want to come to your event in 2019. There, you know, just because he saw something that was different. You know, it got me thinking, is there any biblical evidence that people can see God in us, you know, I know that he changes our personalities. I know that he changes our nature. But is there any biblical evidence that actually people can see a difference? So I started to look into the scriptures. And uh, I came across this where David, uh, Solomon, the son of King David, was talking about it. And in Proverbs 30, he says, The eye that mocks the father and scorns the mother, the ravens in the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. And I thought, here he is, he's saying, actually, you can see in people's eyes, they reveal something of perhaps negative intentions and thoughts. And it struck me, if you can see that in someone's eyes, why can't you see the glory of God shining through them as well? Look at somebody near you. Just have a look in their eyes. Maybe their eyes reveal they're somebody who's happy at the moment or sad. Maybe they reveal somebody who's tired or stressed. Whether or not you believe the eyes of the windows of the soul, we can tell so much about people just by looking. So if they can reveal those things, why shouldn't our eyes reveal something of the glory of God to people we meet in everyday life? You know, when Stephen testified before the Sanhedrin, we're told, that those who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked at him intently and they saw his face shine like the face of an angel. They saw something about him that was angelic. You know, what do you think an angel looks like? They're in the presence of God all the time. 
And if we believe you become what you look at, then they must be looking like God. And there was something of them that... uh, of Stephen that looked angelic that day. You know, I was mistaken for an angel once. You don't believe me, do you? Look at me think that. I believe in a God of miracles. I want to tell you that. You know, I think it was um, George Whitfield who used to walk down the street. And as he walked down the street, people would come out of their houses and fall on their knees and they would ask God to come into their lives. They would repent and they would say, God, please save me. And as an evangelist, when I read that, I thought, wow, I need that gift. I would love to walk down the street, Lord, and that people would just come out and get saved. It would be so much easier. You know, I'm always looking for the easy route, you know. And if God's got an easier route than the one I'm going, I'm going to go God's way. And I said to God, I would like to see this happen. God said, it's not going to happen to him. I said, Why? I said, if you did it for him, why won't you do it for me? He said, you never walk anywhere. So I determined that I was going to walk to church every Sunday. And I walked to church one Sunday, and uh, I got to the front, and I'm setting up my things as pastors do on the lectern. And, that, and this lady walks in, and there's a commotion at the back of the hall. And I suddenly hear this woman scream, it's all his fault! And I look up, and she's pointing at me. And I said, excuse me, madam, what's my fault? She said, it's your fault, I'm here. I said, why? She said, you walk past my house every Sunday morning. She said, you look so much like an angel, I had to come out and follow you. You know? We prayed for her later in the meeting. She got saved, she got healed. My friend said, did she get healed of short-sightedness? If she thought you looked like an angel. You know, but I believe in a God of miracles. And I believe that if we've spent time with God, then that shows, just as it showed on Stephen's face, that he had been with God. You know, when Moses went into the presence of God, we're told that a consequence of him spending time with God was that his face shone. You know, God asked me a question just the other week as I've been meditating on this. He said, does your face shine? I thought, what do you mean, Lord? He said, Moses' face shined because he came into my presence and spent time with me face to face. He said, does your face shine? Do you come into my presence? Do you know me intimately as a friend? as Moses knew me. Because, you know, if we spend time with God intimately, then it will start to make a difference. I believe God's asking every one of us today, does your face shine? Does it reflect the fact that you have spent time with God recently? Moses didn't know there was anything different about his face. When he came out of God's presence, they didn't want to come close to him because they saw his face was shut. He had to call them to come to him. You know, I don't realize. I look in the mirror and I think, have I got beautiful eyes? I don't see it. But people who don't know Jesus do. And I think that's because there is something of God 
that's living in me, that comes out and people see it. And I think we need to ask ourselves, does our face shine? Have we spent time? I think it'd be a good title for a book, wouldn't it? Does your face shine? (laughs) Maybe that'll be another one in the future. (laughs) You know, spending time with God changes us so that we reflect him and his glory to this world. You know, when Peter and John went before the high priest and the elders, Acts chapter 4, verse 13, we're told that the elders and the high priest observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood they were uneducated men, uneducated and untrained men, and they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter where you start. I think I've told you before. But if you've been with Jesus, you can stand before priests and kings and they will recognize there is something different about you. You know, God wants us to be a different people. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. You know, I'm afraid I do not believe in the user-friendly gospel. You know, I believe in a gospel that is a stumbling block to some. You know, and I think we are coming to a place in our nation where what we believe is being challenged. And it's a time for us to stand up and be counted for what we believe. When you can't speak freely in our universities about your faith for fear of being chucked out of the university, it's time to take a stand. It's time for us to reclaim our Christian heritage as a nation. Now, we have a choice. We can step back and hide, or we can step up and be counted and let our faces shine to this world. Now, I think there are two ways we can do that, and I saw someone interviewed, two people interviewed on telly recently. You might have seen it on The Breakfast. And one guy came across as loving and caring, and the interviewer who was interviewing him said, I really hope you get your job back because you seem a really caring and loving teacher. And then there was a solicitor who said all the right things, but there was no love in what she said. And, I, and, and the interviewer reacted to her and her aggression and said, you know, let's get out of the 16th century and come back to the 21st century. You know, we are called to be representatives to represent Jesus here on this earth. And you know, he said, I only do those things the Father tells me to do, and I only say the things the Father tells me to say, and I say them the way that he tells me to say them. You know, we can say all the right things, but if we haven't spent time in his presence, we might say them in all the wrong ways. You know, we need to step up and be counted. We need to enter the debate, but we need to do it as Jesus. We need to do it with a loving heart and countenance, spending time with our Father and with His Son changes us. We take on the family resemblance, you know, 
what you spend time with affects what you look like. Have you ever watched those programs? I remember watching a TV program years ago about, thank you, about people and their pets. You know, and how people start to look like their pets. You know, and it was astounding. They had all these famous people that were willing to come on the telly with their dog and their cat and they'd take a picture of the dog or the cat and the person. You thought, wow! If you ever needed evidence to say that you begin to look like the things you spend time with, they had it. You know, I do not want to look like a dog or a cat. I don't know about you, maybe some of you are already there, but uh, I want to look like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus to the people of this world. You know, the trouble is many of us Christians waste a lot of time with what I call being sin conscious. That is, we focus on our sins and our shortfalls rather than focusing on God. And I believe the more you focus on God, the more you will become like him. As you spend time in his presence, you will overcome the things that cause you to be dragged down. You will be set free from sin. You know, if you focus on your sin, don't be surprised if you enter into a battle about sin. But if you focus on God, you'll be surprised when suddenly you realize you've stopped those things that have plagued you, those sins that have held on to you. You know, the devil wants to remind us of our shortcomings. You know, and whenever he does, I said, you're right, devil. You know, I'm a failure. I agree with him. But I say, I have a savior who paid the price for my failures, who has made me an overcomer. And you might point to my shortfalls, but he points to my destiny. And he has a promise for me that I'm going to live this life and be everything he intended me to be. So let's not be sin conscious. Let's rather be God conscious. The Bible teaches us that we are in this world, but we are no longer of this world. We're meant to be different. I love the way Bill Johnson puts it. He says we are here to represent Jesus. Not to represent, to represent. We are meant to be Jesus to this world. T.L. Osborne said, you are the only Jesus some people will ever see. You know, Jesus put it like this. He's John 14, verses 19 and 20. He says, after a little while, you will no longer see me. But you will, after a little while, the world will no longer see me, sorry. But you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. You know, that's a dichotomy, isn't it? Jesus said that he is in the Father, we are in him, he is also in us. So that when the world looks at us, what do they see? Jesus. You know, uh, imagine I brought a, a jug with me this morning. Imagine this jug is the Father. And in this jug is water. And imagine the water is Jesus. So we have 
Jesus in the Father. And I pour the jug of water into the glass, which is us. So now we have God the Father, we have Jesus in the Father, we have us, and Jesus is in us. But then Jesus says, but you are in me, and I am in the Father. Where are you? What do you see now? You see you? All we see is the Father and the Spirit. And if we are in Jesus and he is in the Father and we, he is in us, that is how we become. We start to disappear that God might appear in us and through us. You know, we become transparent because we're filled with Jesus and we're in the Father. You know, I was in uh, Vietnam many years ago and there was this huge statue of Jesus. It was like the one in Rio de Janeiro, but it wasn't on the mountain, you know. And we walked up to this statue and in Jesus' foot, there was a door. And I said to my friend, I said, I wonder if it's open. And we opened the door and it was. And we went in and there was a staircase. And we could walk up in Jesus' legs. And my friend said to me, this is amazing, isn't it? He said, here we are in Jesus, but Jesus is in us. And all the world could see was Jesus. And we walked up Jesus' legs and out on his outstretched arms. You know, and it, it was a, an amazing experience. But God wants us to have that experience every day. That he is in us and we are in him. And as we are in him, the world no longer will see us, but they'll see Jesus. And there's something beautiful about Jesus. There's something attractive. And when I look out at you, I can see Jesus starting to shine out of some of you. But I want to encourage you. Spend time with him. Allow you, as it were, to start to dissolve and him to start to shine through. If we, As we immerse ourselves in Jesus, and allow his Holy Spirit to fill us, we, in a sense, disappear. And all the world will see is the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son, in us and through us. And we shouldn't be surprised when people come up to us or you see people staring at you. you know, it's not because you've got a funny nose. You know, I th sometimes I thought, oh, my flies that are open, you know. Someone said, but I've learned to realize they're trying to understand what they're seeing. It's happened to me so many times where I see people staring and now I'm bold enough and I say, excuse me, why are you staring? And they don't understand sometimes. They said, a lady in a coffee shop was staring at me. She said, I said, well, why are you staring at me? She said, can I ask you some questions? I said, yes. And you know, we ended up praying with her and God healed her in the coffee shop. Because she saw something. You know, when someone's staring at you, don't think it's because you've got food stuck on your teeth. Maybe it is, but, uh, you know, ask them, why are you staring? Because I believe that God wants to make us an attractive people. He doesn't just want to change us internally. He wants people 
to see his glory shining through us. He wants us to come into his presence. So when we come out, we shine and reflect his glory. You know, it struck me, if we have God with us, nothing is impossible. You know, so often, you know, you read in the scriptures where Jesus said that when people were sick, it was because the devil had oppressed them. And it suddenly struck me, if sickness is because the devil has oppressed or oppressed people, then if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we should live in health. If we get hold of that reality then we can be a people who are healthy. Paul tells us, Romans 8, 11, but the, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You know, a consequence of being immersed in Jesus is that we can have life in our mortal bodies. We don't need to suffer sickness. We can live in health, and that health can overflow from us to those around us. You know, I was reading of Wigglesworth recently, and he went to Norway, and they banned him from praying for the sick because they said he was ministering medically without a medical license. So the next time he went, he said, I'm afraid I can't pray for you, but just come and touch me. And everybody that touched him got healed. Huh? Wouldn't it be great that you're walking down the road here and people are running up to you because they see Jesus in you, shining out of you, and they just want to touch you. You know, I believe if you're sick this morning, you could just come and touch me, and God will heal you. Because I have Jesus in me. We have the third person of the Trinity living in us, the one that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And, you know, if he can take a body that's been dead three days and bring it back to life, then nothing is impossible. You know, sickness, our sicknesses, I, I say this not to belittle you if you're sick this morning, but to encourage you that nothing is impossible. Sickness, pain, discomfort, addiction are inconsequential in comparison with a dead body that's been there three days. And the Spirit of God came on his dead body and brought him back to life. And he says, if the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it will quicken your mortal body. You know, we have to start to believe what the Bible says to believe what this book says, to live in it. And we do that by spending time with the author. You know, I heard of a lady on a plane and she was reading a book and the guy sitting next to her said, are you enjoying the book? 
And she said, um, yeah, but she said, there are a lot of really complicated things that I don't understand. He said, perhaps I'll be able to help you. And she started to tell him what she didn't understand by the book, what the author had written in the book. And he started to explain to her what the author had meant. And at the end of the journey, she, she thanked him as they were getting off the plane. She said, thank you so much for your help. How do you know so much about this subject? He said, oh, that's easy. I wrote the book. You know, when we spend time with the author, we'll understand how to live what he wants us to have. 1 John 4, 4, John writes, he says, You are from God, little children. You are from God. And you have overcome them. Who have you overcome? John says they'd overcome the spirits of this world. Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in this world. Turn to the person next to you. Just tap them on the shoulder. Just say, the greater one lives in you. We have the greater one living in us. He's greater than any sickness, any pain, any weakness, any discomfort. The greater one is greater than any addiction. He is the one who can set us free. And if we immerse ourselves in him, get to know him, then we will live in the good of everything this book says. You know, we need to close the credibility gap. I've told you before. It's my life's ambition to be what this book says I can be, to do what this book says I can do, and to see what this book says we should see. You know, I'm lost for this world. I'm saying, Jesus, I want to spend my life and see the things that you said we should see. He said, these and greater things will you do. You know, I might fail, I might fall, but I will get up and I will walk again. Troubles might come my way, but I'm not stopping still because it's no good living in the past. I've got to step into my future. You know, I want to encourage you this morning. Step into God's presence. Let your face shine. Get to know him. And as you do, people will notice a difference about you. And if they're not, perhaps you just need to spend more time in his presence. Because I honestly have come to the conclusion that it's not just an internal thing. That God wants us to be different. To be seen to be different. To look different. And if God can make me look like an angel, how much more potential has he got with every one of you? I look out and I see so many beautiful people. And if God can make my eyes beautiful, what can he do with yours? We just need to spend time with him. So this Christmas, let me appeal to you. Don't just sing about Emmanuel. Spend time with him. He came into this world that you might have a relationship with him. That you might come into his presence and experience his love. You know, and when it gets tough, 
It's not the time to run away. It's the time to run to. You know, so often when the going gets tough, we can want to run away and hide. I know because I've done it. But, you know, I also know that when I get to that place and I realize there are no answers hiding in the corner, but there are answers hiding in him, immersing myself in him so that I disappear and all the world seizes him and his glory shines through. And then I can come out of his presence as Jesus did when he came out of the wilderness in the power of God. And the credibility gap in my life disappears because now it's not me, it's Jesus in me and me in him and he in the Father. Amen? Let's stand, shall we? You know, I really believe if you're sick this morning, God wants to heal you. And I believe it is as simple as just coming and touching. Not because it's me, but because it's God in me. And if you want to receive him, I'm not going to pray for you this morning, but you can exercise your faith and just, just felt God said, I'll stand here. And if you want just touch, God will heal. I felt God said that. I bought my bottle of oil. I bought my handkerchiefs. But God said, no, just stand. Let me do the work. So if you're sick and you want healing, then just come and touch. Let's just worship God. Thank you.